If you're going to run a great business, you've got to have great people, and finding them is a huge part of that puzzle. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter.com has a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. It identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates are out there. You can find them, but ZipRecruiter is how. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. One more time, try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. Once you check out their interface and you see those candidates come right into your inbox, you're going to realize it's a great choice. ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. You are entering the Freedom Hut. Big piece today in the New York Times on the Russia collusion investigation. They talk about the secret origins, and guess what? We find out that it is, in fact, a giant preposterous witch hunt, but I'll get into that. Plus, has North Korea backed away from its promise to denuclearize? We'll dive into all the latest with that. Continuing coverage of the way the media covers Hamas and its violence and completely outrageous efforts against the Israeli state. And then a whole bunch of other things, including a scam in Minnesota that will blow your mind. That and more coming up. This This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, team. Great to have you here, as always. Thank you so much for... Joining in the fray, um, as it were, and uh, we've got much to discuss today, as we always do. A lot of a lot of things going on though in the world right now. So this is where I start. start let, always start with the, uh, the platitudes. You know, the world world's a dangerous place, Buck. A lot of things happening. But the big header right now, big headline on uh, on Drudge is that Rudy Giuliani, who has taken up the mantle of primary legal Trump defender. Uh, Is that a wise choice? I guess we'll see. But special counsel Robert Mueller's team has, according to Rudy Giuliani, to CNN, Mueller has informed President Trump uh, via his attorneys that they cannot indict a sitting president. Uh, Quote, all they get to do is write a report Rudy Giuliani told CNN, they can't indict. At least they acknowledge that to us after some battling. They acknowledge that to us. Hmm. Okay. CNN, of course, writes, that conclusion is likely based on longstanding Justice Department guidelines. It's not about any assessment of the evidence that Mueller's team has compiled. This is, it's such an important line, folks. Let me just focus in on this for a moment. They, no matter what happens here, 
no matter what the final claim is uh, uh, when it comes to the Trump investigation, no matter what happens, they will say it's not that Trump was innocent of any wrongdoing with Russia collusion. It's that they couldn't find enough evidence to indict him. That's what they're going to say. So this is what I've been trying to prepare you and me, right, psychologically prepare us for. This never really goes away entirely. I mean, it eventually will fade, and the media will, after wreaking all this havoc and destruction and slowing down the administration and really depriving the American people of the honest best efforts of the administration that we voted into office, after the media's done all that, they'll just, you know, they'll move on to something else. They will take no ownership of this giant fiasco. They won't feel even a moment's consideration for what they have done to the other side here and what they've done to the American people. There'll be no remorse, that's for sure, and not even any introspection. They won't even think about this. They'll just be like, yeah. We tried, to t- we tried to take down the administration. Didn't manage to do it this time. Maybe next time. So that's why that line from CNN is so important, because there will never be an exoneration for Trump in the eyes of the media. It'll just be, oh, he got away because, th- because he was, is what? So good at clearing his tracks? C- can I just just step back for one second here? We are simultaneously told by the mainstream media that Donald Trump is a buffoon who just waddles around in his robe eating cheeseburgers, doesn't know anything, doesn't read anything, has just no understanding of anything. And yet, the Mueller probe, now in its second year, with near-unlimited resources and investigatory powers, unable to find any wrongdoing, I just want to know which is it. I'd really be curious to ask some of the big names in left-wing anti-Trump news, uh, basically every anchor at CNN and every anchor at MSNBC and every, you know, I mean, major newspaper editor out there. I would want to ask them, so is Trump a criminal genius capable of evading the most sophisticated law enforcement and intelligence apparatus on the planet? Or is Trump a, a bumbling buffoon, you know? Mr. Magoo with a, a poofy side part. You know, which is it? When they can't give you an answer to that, I think that you're, you're seeing a lot of the problems here. I think you see a lot of the cognitive dissonance. Because it can't be both of those things. But they're going to start preparing the groundwork for, well... We didn't find the evidence necessary to indict. Oh, and by the way, as Rudy has said here, we couldn't indict even if we wanted to. Uh, But then you get to the other layer. This is not about indicting the president. This is about wounding his administration politically. That's what this has been from from the start. They were never going to indict the president unless they could get him in a perjury trap. And they knew that. All of this, oh, we have to look into Russia, Trump collusion, and everything. This was just a, a smokescreen. 
for pushing a narrative that would be useful for the Democrats to try to regain power to avenge Hillary's loss. It's so sad. We know, Hillary, it's very sad you lost in 2016. Go walk off into the woods and drink some rosé. But that's what's going to happen here. They're going to release some report that'll say, well, we found this and that. There's shady stuff here and there. We couldn't get Trump, but we feel that there were, you know, unsavory connections with Russia and Russian intelligence and blah, blah. And And it'll be all this smoke and mirrors we've seen all along. Vote Democrat. That's that will be the bottom. It's not going to be that the President Trump committed any crimes. It's not going to be that President Trump should be indicted. It's going to be vote. Democrat. This is a political hatchet job, first and foremost. I'm not saying that it's not ruining lives and throwing people in prison. And by the way, you know, all of you listening to me for for years now know how angry I got about the Scooter Libby injustice. It was just an out. The whole thing was an outrage. It was a scam. It was political. It was a political hit job against Cheney in the White House. And a lot of people in the media um, went along with it fan the flames of it, and they should be ashamed of themselves. But, you know, it was payback for the Iraq war. That was kind of how they they packaged that, right? Payback for the lies about WMD, uh, WMD. So let's throw Scooter Libby in jail for a few years. I think we are going to find out at some point that a decision was made to prosecute General Mike Flynn that was counter the basic benefit of the doubt that any other normal person would have been given in those circumstances. What I'm saying here is that I think we're going to find out that they decided that they had to get Flynn because they had to get someone. And so, and people say, oh, Bucky pleaded guilty. That's a moron statement. And people who say things like, oh, he pleaded pleaded guilty. Um, Yeah, because what are his options at that point? You want to go to, you want to sit in a federal penitentiary for five years? Now you'll say, Buck, but if he lied, he lied. I say to you, well, sometimes a lie is important and sometimes it's not. You know, if, if they asked him about what he had for breakfast yesterday and he said the wrong thing, I don't think he should go to prison for it. And if they asked him about conducting his completely lawful and reasonable responsibilities as the incoming national security advisor, I don't think you should go to prison for that either. But people get pressured into plea deals all the time. Democrats know this. The left knows this. They whine about it when it suits their political purposes. They complain about it. 97% plus of federal criminal cases get uh, pleaded out because the penalties are so severe. And you have to, you have to do the full term. There's no, no parole in federal prison. You got to serve what you serve. So, but I think we're going to, and that's going to be, when we find out that they uh, did Flynn dirty, which is kind of law enforcement parlance on that one, right? They, they did him dirty. When, when, when we find that out definitively, the, this, the FBI, the DOJ, I mean, the uproar is going to be definite. I mean, if you think things are acrimonious now, if we think it's nasty right now, you know, you can't wear a MAGA hat without people yelling at you. You can't have a conversation about politics without everyone freaking out at you. Just wait until it becomes clear that the incoming national security advisor for the Trump administration was sandbagged 
by these uh, police state clowns, which I I, I think we're going to get there. I think that will be, I do believe the day will come when I can say to you, they, uh, they entrapped General Flynn. It was, and we're already pretty much there, but there's a little more information that I, that I want when it becomes irrefutable. When if you could get a Democrat to try to take the other side of the argument, they'd have to squirm because they know how wrong it is. They know how gross it is, even if they won't say it. But it, we can't do too much celebrating over Giuliani saying they're not going to indict the president because they could still indict a bunch of people around him, more people, as they already have, for minor stuff. But, you know, you, you see how the talking points get fed out to the left-wing apparatus. The, the moment that the moment that you have another prosecution or another guilty plea, they just rack it up like points on a scoreboard, even if it has nothing to do with Trump. Oh, there have been this many, you know, this many guilty. Some idiot at, at ABC News, a political analyst there, I won't name him. He's just not very smart. He's not a nice guy. I've seen him put out that, oh, well, after all the investigations into Benghazi, there were zero indictments. And this has got a lot of retweets, right? I'm looking at this. But, you know, there have been all these different people indicted around Trump. I'm like, wow, you're really going to compare the burning down of two U.S. facilities, the murder of four Americans by terrorists, all of it preventable, all of it because of the dereliction of duty of Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama's whole administration. You're going to you're, you're gonna act like that was enough, like that was a nothing burger now? This is how stupid the left really is? The answer is yes, they are. Very, very frustrating. So the Giuliani news was breaking or or just went up here uh, before we came on the air. Wow. Right. It was just updated at basically 6 o'clock Eastern when we came on. Um, But I want to talk to you about this New York Times piece, and then we'll discuss North Korea, a whole bunch of things. So much more coming, team. Stay right there. They call it Crossfire Hurricane, or that's what it was called. That's the uh, the code name the FBI gave to the Russia collusion investigation. Uh, FBI, I mean, the New York Times has this big piece out, code name Crossfire Hurricane, the secret origins of the Trump investigation. Let me tell you what, I read through this in detail today, and let me tell you some of the things that stuck out. To me, uh, first of all, that the names that we keep seeing here as the justification for this are people like Carter Page and George Papadopoulos and Manafort. This just doesn't wash. It doesn't add up. I, I do not accept that anyone looking at those guys in good faith from within the FBI, DOJ, Intel community, wherever, would say, you know what, we have to direct our spying powers against these guys because they've got something serious going. they got something real going on. I mean, I read this piece that's saying that Carter Page was approached by Russian agents. If you're an American, you go to Russia, you do enough stuff, very good chance you're going to come into contact with somebody who could be, con- could be considered shady and has ties to the Russian government. It's not unusual, not particularly exciting, and not not meaningful either. But 
you know, the, what the media magnifies and what they downplay is that is really the stock and trade. That's what they, that's where they derive most of their power. You know, what do they make a big deal of? What do they minimize? What do they cover? What do they not cover? These are the editorial decisions that make a real difference in perception. This is the, the art form of propaganda they're engaged in. A couple of other things that really struck me as interesting in this piece. Uh, for one, Crossfire Hurricane, this is a quote from the piece, Crossfire Hurricane, which, remember, is the code name for the Russia collusion investigation, was built around the same core of agents and analysts who had investigated Mrs. Clinton. None was eager to re-enter presidential politics, former officials said, especially when agents did not know what would come of the Australian information. By the way, that's referring to the conversation with Papadopoulos and the Australian ambassador in the U.K., who was able to get a whole FBI investigation going based on drunk banter at a bar in London with some guy who, like, no one knows or cares about? Sounds like the FBI's got a lot of time on their hands. Or or something. I don't know. This, this doesn't pass, right? This doesn't pass the smell test. I know you feel the same way. It just doesn't. There's something funky going on here. I think it's redacted being held from us you know this is the this is the stuff that we're not being told about because i think it would be so i think it would be devastating for confidence in the department of justice the fbi it would be devastating for any confidence we could have in the impartiality of our own justice system that's what i see here that's what i think is at play uh but let's just step back for a second the same team that investigated hillary the same people Managers, analysts, field agents from the FBI uh, that decided not to use subpoena power, that decided not to put Hillary under oath, that gave not just every convenience and benefit of the doubt to Hillary, but bent over backwards to make it nigh impossible that there would be any additional crimes committed along the way, including destruction of evidence, which Hillary did. Lying under oath, which they would have done had they been put under oath. Hillary and Huma and Cheryl Mills. Though that same crew that went to the mat, to including Comey, that went to the mat to make sure Hillary was not charged, you take that same pro-Hillary squad and put them in charge of a Russia collusion Trump investigation? I mean, anyone, Comey included, wherever that lanky weirdo is, uh, anyone who thinks that that doesn't stink to high heaven is either an imbecile or a liar. That's and, and the whole decision to keep it at the FBI headquarters, not to make it, you know, not to leave it with the field office. I mean, there's so many choices that were made here that were bad choices, that were clearly putting the thumb on the scale in favor of Hillary and against Trump. And remember, they all thought Hillary was going to win. So you can understand why, you know, putting aside the ethical problems with it, you can understand why for self-preservation or self-advancement reasons, they would do everything they could to help Hillary and her squad, right? They wanted high fives from them. And then the recognition of, oh my gosh, we're doing this Trump investigation. We're going to have to find ways to justify this and hide this in public view. I mean, it all, that starts to add up. But if you read this piece on on uh, Crossfire Hurricane, you just see 
FBI and DOJ are still lying about this, folks. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. So uh, the Senate panel has voted uh, in favor of Gina Haspel's CIA directorship, right? They've, they've put her forward now. It's going to head to the full floor Senate vote. But uh, I just see here that uh, Jeff Flake opposed Haspel's nomination at CIA. What is, what is Jeff Flake's deal other than just being really annoying? Does Jeff Flake get up, with the, get up and think that he's like a savior of the republic? Does he really delude himself into that stuff? I wonder. Um, by the way, I also saw something which I did not have the full time to dig into today, but it's something I'm just going to put out there. I saw an excerpt of what I believe to be the uh, McCain memoir that is uh, out right now. Um, what's it? The, the, the Restless... The Restless Wave? Wait, what's this? Uh, yes, The Restless Wave. Or he a claim that uh, Rand Paul was doing Vladimir Putin's work because of his uh, Senator Rand Paul's opposition to bringing Montenegro into NATO? That's not fair. Look, I'm, this is just on the subs. That's not a fair call. That's not a fair thing to say at all. There are... Look, I I figured Montenegro was always going to be brought into NATO anyway. But to say that, you know, this has become now something that people jump to way too quickly. Just because Russia is loosely in favor of a certain policy doesn't mean it's a bad policy for the United States either. You know, Uh, if I say that I don't want a U.S. ground invasion of Syria, which would clearly offset Russian influence in that country... I'm not doing Putin's work. That's not that's not okay. I, I think that that's uh, media is going to give a pass on that one. I don't know if Senator Rand Paul cares or not, but I saw that and I found it very. Uh, assuming the excerpt on Twitter was accurate, I found that very distasteful and uh, a, a nasty, a nasty slight at a Senate colleague. Because look, I, I I think that Rand Paul actually is underrated in many ways uh, in the Senate. Uh, I think that those of you who listen to me know that I think that the senator is a champion of individual liberty, which these days it feels like that's in that's a rarity. That's in short supply. And anyway, back to Haspel, though, for a second. Sorry, I went went down a rabbit hole there. Back to Haspel. So she goes to the full Senate floor vote now. Uh, it sounds like she's got the vote. She's going to be CIA director. And all that stuff about the waterboarding that came up in the last couple of weeks, just... Democrat grandstanding. I did see, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tim, um, blanking on his last name. He's a special, I think, former special forces guy, right? Uh, Mike, producer Mike, check me on this one. I think, uh, this guy did the, he did waterboarding live streaming. He allowed himself, I should say, he didn't, it wasn't waterboarding people. He allowed himself to be, uh, waterboarded. Let me see if I can actually pull up real quick the uh, the details here. Yeah, uh, Tim Tim Kennedy, who's also a UFC fighter. Uh, he guys, if you haven't seen it, I mean, I, see the video. He 
lets himself be waterboarded extensively. And yeah, he was a green. He's a uh, a green beret, and he said it's. He said, "Look, it's it's not torture." Forty five minutes of waterboarding. He's like, "It's not torture. It's uncomfortable. It's not good." It is accurate to say it is an, an enhanced and, and maybe even nasty interrogation technique, but, you know, this is where you get into the separation between the usage of people saying things like tantamount to torture and actual torture, right? I don't know a single human being who, to prove a point, would be like, you know what, just to, just to show you guys, I would like to have, you know, bamboo uh, run underneath my fingernails into my fingers. No one's going to do that. Certainly not for 45 minutes. But Tim Kennedy's like, well, I'll be waterboarded for 45 minutes. And it's not torture. Uh, There is real torture, and it's a terrible thing. And we don't do ourselves any favors by conflating what is, again, an enhanced interrogation, or you could even say a rough interrogation technique in torture. I've also pointed out to people in this whole debate and this discussion as it goes along, what do they think it's like, you know, what is it, if not psychological torture, to be uh, locked in a cinder block box, basically, for, in some cases, 23 hours a day, right, in these federal prisons and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of, and, and we do that to people for far less in this country than what, you know, uh, a- any of the Al-Qaeda planners that were waterboarded uh, were guilty of, right? So I, I just think there's more nuance. There's more of a discussion here than a lot of people are willing to have. Because, look, it's easy to just say no torture ever under any circumstances, uh, full stop, and say that this is basically torture when the moment you have to add a qualifier to it, the, the T word should be very clear. Torture is something, you know, you, you know when it's described to you. And somebody pouring water over your face with no actual uh, permanent or even long-term damage is... As I said, it's an enhanced interrogation technique. Uh, so I just think that there was a lot of, as I knew there would be, a lot of hot air over that stuff. And now Haspel looks like she's going to be the next CIA director. Um, maybe it's a good pl- place to, to switch gears. I, I do want to talk to you more about um, just the the way the, the stories, the spin surrounding Hamas. It's so very, very frustrating how the media sets this stuff up and the lack of responsible narrative creation, I guess you could call it, that's going on with all that. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk a bit more about, about Hamas and Israel and the media's takes on it, as well as uh, what's coming up with North Korea. I think, actually, maybe we'll do that in the in the next hour. When I, when I come back, how about this? This guy was wearing a MAGA hat, African-American gentleman, and no big surprise, I guess, people were terrible to him. I want to talk to you about that and a whole bunch of other stuff coming right up. Stay with me. I want to bring you all into the uh, viral audio controversy of the day and and also talk to you about this Gentleman who was wearing a MAGA hat, African-American gentleman at a uh, restaurant in Miami, I believe, and what happened to him. But first, we've had uh, we've had some callers trying to get in the whole hour, and I have been blabbing away here. 
Chris, you've been on hold for quite a bit. Thank you for your patience, sir. Uh, what's on your mind? Hey, Ben. Uh, good thing some of those are away. It's an honor to talk to you, man. Uh, hey, uh, you know, I, want, I was listening to your podcast from earlier today. Well, actually, from yesterday. I was listening to it earlier. And I had to call in about the, uh, the issue you were talking about with the STEM uh, areas uh, and uh, the educational system and the, uh, the favoritism that goes on there with the identity politics. And uh, I wanted to say, talking about un- unintended consequences, they're creating uh, a, sort of a subliminal class system in those areas. Uh, you know, I don't know if it'll ever really get out to the public, but certainly if you're in that business, if I'm going to hire a doctor or a scientist or whatever, and I'm looking at the choice between a black guy and a white guy, my thought, because I know what goes on, is, you know, this white guy, he didn't get any breaks. He made it because he's good. When I, and, and, and whether it's justified or unjustified, I'm going to look at the black guy and say, you know what, I don't know that he didn't make it because he just got pushed through. Well, when they and when they I have these preferential when they have these preferential systems in place, Chris, based on identity politics like uh, ethnicity, like skin color, that is the result that they that they create. But you know what they'll say, even though they are creating the result by setting up these standards that are different for different people, they will say that anyone who perceives that reality that they have created yes. is just being racist. That they won't deal yes, with the the logical fallacy naturally. here. You got it. That's exactly right. Yeah, I just had to bring that up, brother. Shield time. Yeah, shield time, man. Thank you for calling in, Chris. Uh, so the big, um, <laughs> this is silly. It's silly, everybody. But here, we're going to do it. Ready? Big controversy of the day. What? In case you don't know, I feel like this is only really on Twitter, for those of you who are on Twitter, but this is millions and millions and millions of your fellow Americans have been dealing with one question today. What do you hear? I don't want to say... Uh, what I hear, but your options are Yanni or Laurel. Play it. There's oh, actually, this audio clip tearing the internet apart. We're going to play it for you. And on the backside, you tell us what you hear. Okay. What word is this? Laurel. Laurel. Do you oh, hear Yanni or do you Laurel. hear Am I answering now? You're Laurel. I right there, way in. Laurel. Laurel. All right, Laurel. so it is completely Laurel. divided. And some people. All right. So so you heard that little that was from Fox and Friends, but you heard the little clip there. Did any of you hear anything other? Wait, hold on. Brandon, what did you hear? I heard Laurel. 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 Producer Mike, you're giving me the nod. You heard Laurel, too. People hear Yanni. What's going on? I don't know how it's possible. Very clearly Laurel to me. Now, there's an explanation for this. It's it's similar to the. We'll we'll get to some other policy stuff. I still haven't talked to you about North Korea, folks. Don't worry. We got a lot more. But, you know, I I like to mix it up a little bit. Remember that whole blue dress or gold dress controversy? It wasn't really a controversy. You know what I'm saying. Uh, That has to do with the way that you perceive colors. This is the way that uh, you process sound. And I I tried to read. There's a scientific explanation for this as to why some people hear Yanni and some people hear Laurel. I can't really replicate it for you because I still don't really understand how the difference manifests itself. But nonetheless, it is it is a thing that some people hear one word, others hear another. Yeah. So potato, potato, what can you do? Uh, all right. I, I did mention this case of the uh, Trump supporter who was at the Cheesecake Factory. You know, I've just realized this. I've never eaten at a Cheesecake Factory. Brandon, have you been at Cheesecake Factory? Is it good? Many times. Good place? 
Uh, it's like an Applebee's or Ruby Tuesday's. It's fancier, I guess. Okay. I assume the cheesecake must be excellent. Probably not gluten-free, though. Uh, so this guy, was at a, he's at the Cheesecake Factory. And he's wearing a MAGA hat. And he explained uh, what's going on here. We're at the, the police at the scene at the start of this. But he'll, he'll talk to you about what happened at the Cheesecake Factory. Play nine. Oh, well, we were sitting at the table and my girlfriend's aunt started noticing and she informed us that, hey, there's a couple of co-workers back there looking at Eugene and making gestures towards him. So I just turned around and looked at him. I didn't say anything. Um, I see that they're staring at me, staring at uh, my girlfriend's family. They're just trying to intimidate us. And, I, you know, I just ignored the whole thing. What I just stayed saying? on my phone watching. What types of things were um, they well, saying? Well, after I turned around and was looking at my phone, they all started getting behind us. And one of the coworkers was saying, man, I'll knock that hat off his head. I'll hit him so hard that knock his hat off. They were clinching their fists and they were just standing behind me, you know, trying to like scare us and stuff. I mean, I wasn't really, you know, intimidated by anything, but my girlfriend's family and everybody, you know, we were just, it was just sad. You know, there was just, everybody was disappointed. Why would anyone think it's okay to be hostile towards somebody because they're wearing the slogan of the current sitting president of the United States. What kind of country are we living in where anyone, and I mean anyone, would think that that's grounds for being nasty to somebody? And add to that, and I know, you know, some of you are going to say, Buck, it's, actually I don't think any of you are going to say this, but some people might say, it's a very patriarchal comment, but you also... You don't show disrespect to somebody in front of their family and in front of the, the, a guy's girlfriend. That's just an extra added level of insult here. You know, I even know people that are, are uh, let's just say, a bit, a bit aggressive ruffians who will say that, you know, you, 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 don't, you don't start something like in a bar or whatever. You don't start something with a guy who's there with his girlfriend or his wife or, or whatever. You, you just don't do it. That's it's just low. It's it's dishonorable. And that's what this whole situation really was. You got a guy who's there, his family and his girlfriend. He's just, you know, trying to wear his, his make America great again hat. And you've got people out there who uh, who think that that gives them grounds for saying nasty things, gesturing, threatening, being being uh, menacing towards somebody. It's just pathetic. It really is. Yeah, it's very, it's very troubling. You know, we had that guy thrown out of a bar in uh, New York. Actually, I, I know the bar owner. You know what? I probably should reach out to him, though. He would just give me a no comment. I don't know him well. We're not buddies or anything, but I, I do know him. Uh, but I, I'm seeing some, there was some reporting here that, uh, I'm trying to find it right now in real time, that there was some, some question as to whether he was actually kicked out of the bar <laughs> or whether this is just something that he... He said, so I'll look into that some more. Brandon in Fort Wayne, Indiana. You're up next, sir. What's up? Yes, hello? Yes, Brandon. Hey, Buck. It's a long time, uh, I wouldn't say long time listener for the past probably five or six months. Um, I caught you on uh, The Blaze one night, and I've been listening ever since. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. But um, one point I wanted to kind of bring up, I was listening to your podcast earlier today. And um, I actually just graduated from a uh, from Ivy Tech. I was in engineering here in Fort Wayne. And um, about the implicit bias you were talking about, 
in a lot of the classes I'm in, we'll start out with a fairly balanced class of men and women, all different ethnic, ethnic backgrounds, things like that. And um, at the end of the class, a lot of them will drop and we'll end up with a few of them left, but the ones who are left are actually pretty good. And I, I was interesting considering how low the bar is being raised in some of the higher up universities, yet I went to a community college and the bar stayed the same and the ones who did survive were really good. I just found that interesting. So you, wait, so you're saying that just so I'm clear, you're saying that there's in in your community college, there's yeah. uh, people who are dropping out, then and you think that they're, I mean, because do you have an? I'm a serious question. Is there an admissions committee at community college? Um, there's no admissions committee, which was the other point I was going to make. That um, when you don't have that bias, the ones who do survive the process come out to be just as good as any of the others. Oh, I see so, what you're saying. So you're saying that yeah, the, the ones that make it through. Are, so, so it's a, it's almost like a self-selection process because there's no upfront selection. The people that last are good, whatever exactly. background they may have. Most definitely. Yeah, interesting. Oh, uh, well, Brandon, thank you for bringing that to my attention, my friend, and thanks for being a new member of Team Buck. Great to have you. Uh, team, we are uh, going to come back and talk about North Korea. Is the summit off? Will the peninsula, the Korean peninsula, get denuclearized? We will dive into that together shortly. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome back, Team Buck. Great to have you with me here in the Freedom Hut. I'm going to talk to you about North Korea and the latest in the negotiations. And it's not looking so great right now, but I'm not surprised by it. I don't think you are either. Before I get to that, though, last hour we talked about the what cross crosswind hurricane or whatever it was called. The uh, you know the I keep I don't know why today I've been blanking on the name for some reason. They get more sleep. Yeah, cross I'm cross wind hurricane. <laughs> I like that one better actually. Crossfire hurricane, which was what the FBI codenamed its investigation of uh, Russia Trump collusion, started on very flimsy pretext. By the way, I mentioned to you that the same team that cleared Hillary and bent over backwards to help her was the same team assigned to look at Trump with all this, which I think is terrible. One other point though, and hat tip uh, Molly Hemingway over at the Federalist for this one. Uh, well, this is what she wrote, and, and then we'll talk about it. Quote, this New York Times story, that's the one I was talking about last hour, says that the FBI was worried that if it came out they were spying on Trump's campaign, it would only reinforce his claims that the election was being rigged against him. Yes, I can imagine that would reinforce those claims. End quote. Guys, how do you write that at the New York Times and not feel like, uh, we got a problem here? They're, they're, they're stating now that the FBI was worried that if they spied on Trump, that would look bad because then, they, then Trump saying they were spying on him would be true, basically. <laughs> yeah, you don't say. Yeah. You can imagine, you know, this is like, I'm a burglar. I'm going to go break into a house. But you know what? I'm worried that 
if I'm breaking into the house, people will think I'm breaking into the house. Yes, <laughs> that that is a worry that I would have. Right. It's crazy. Oh, gosh. Uh, this is look, they're desperate to try to find a narrative that people can still believe is in any way, shape or form cohesive and hold together. All right. I, that was last. That was last hour stuff. I just didn't follow up with that. Because uh, that was one of the other jaw-dropping wow moments of this big New York Times piece on Crossfire Hurricane. Uh, but now we'll talk a bit about North Korea, what's going on here. Uh, you've got um, some people that are concerned. John Bolton, National Security Advisor, talked about this. Play clip 12, please. The question is whether this really is a sign that... Uh, uh, that they're not taking our objective of denuclearization seriously. You know, Kim Jong-un told South Korean President Moon Jae-in at their April the 27 inter-Korean summit that he agreed to denuclearization. Uh, and so if they're walking back from it, uh, we'll find out. If they're walking back from it. Uh, I've, I have in front of me the statement from North Korea. Uh, from the North Korean state news agency. And it it goes uh, specifically after the Libya mode of nuclear abandonment. And there's very clear references in this statement. I won't read the whole thing to you, but there's very clear references in this statement to Libya and Iraq. What's going on here is North Korea saying, hold on a second. You expect us to give up our nuclear weapons in an era when countries that have done that or been in the process of doing that, notably Libya, then get invaded and toppled, uh, which they do have a point with that, I will say. Um, and this is also why I've been saying all along that it's ver- it's less than 50-50 that this North Korea summit works. I can't give you what I would assess to be precise odds but it's it is unlikely not impossible but unlikely this ends with any kind of victory from a diplomatic standpoint that is lasting and that that deals with uh, with total denuclearization of the peninsula if they're walking back nuclear uh nuclear their promise to give up nuclear weapons then there's not going to be a deal. And Trump has said that all along. I don't think that that's a particularly shocking to anybody at all. And even if, keep in mind, and I'm just trying to give you different ways of thinking about this whole nuclear pro, nuclear negotiation process. Uh, even if we get to an agreement stage, there are concerns about hiding weapons, for example. Play a what Senator John Barrasso had to add on this whole notion. Play clip 11. You're seeing some uh, dismantling of the weaponry done by North Korea. The satellite shows it, but Mike Pompeo, our Secretary of State, former CIA director, knows that North Korea are masters at burying and hiding and moving weapons. The president is right. We need to make sure the entire Korean peninsula is without nuclear weapons, but the president is not. This isn't based on wishful thinking. He's not going to be caught flat-footed. The president is focused on getting this job done. If it works, great. If not, then there may have to be other options, because we know that to have safety and security at home in the United States, we need stability 
worldwide, and one way to do it is to get rid of the nuclear weapons in North Korea. Now, you see the media already gloating. Not that the summit is off, right? This planned summit in Singapore for June 12th between Trump and Kim Jong-un. Historic, momentous, epic, all that stuff applies. Summit's not off yet, but you get the sense that there are folks who are hoping it will be off. And this is where you enter into Democrats rooting against America territory. This is when you find yourself in a situation where you have to ask the question, hmm, it would be really good for North Korea, South Korea, our allies, Japan, regional allies, China, and the whole world because of concerns not just about a conflict on the Korean Peninsula that could involve nukes or what would happen if North Korea was crazy enough to try a first strike on the United States, which I I don't think they are, but uh, it it would be good for everybody, and it would end a lot of suffering. It would be a huge win for freedom, and I really mean that. I don't mean that in an ironic freedom way. A huge win for freedom if, in fact, North Korea uh, was no longer a nuclear state and there could be real progress toward integrating it into the international community and that with that liberalizing and all that stuff. And you can see that there is an entire contingent of the media, the Democrat party who are rooting against this whole thing. They cannot, they would rather, and and this is the real crux of the matter. They would rather North Korea continue to be, a nuclear threat and a gulag for its own people, then Donald Trump looked like a hero on the world stage. And that's really troubling. Not surprising. And a lot of you are like, yup, Buck, that's That's absolutely true. No, No question about it. You're like, I saw that a long time ago, Buck. I know. But I point it out because it's worth remembering as we go into this whole process that this is really how... Unhinged. This is how far Trump derangement syndrome goes. It could make people oppose what would be not just a great foreign policy uh, victory, not just something that, yes, would be worthy of a Nobel Prize and all the other stuff. That's all very, very secondary to possibly saving a whole lot of lives and increasing the global march toward freedom for all humanity, like really important things. That doesn't matter as much to them as Trump falling flat on his face here. And ha ha, I told you so. Trump doesn't know what he's doing. Now, they can't really say that yet. The summit is not off. This is a negotiating posture. I think Kim Jong-un must know at this point that if there's no denuclearization, there's no talk. So they're gonna, we're going to see where this goes. But I just don't want you to forget, as we move forward in this whole process, that even with all the stakes and all of the the suffering and misery that would end or be at least on a path to ending, if we got some kind of a deal with with North Korea about its nukes, because after the nukes, right, comes a lot of other things, economic ties, greater prosperity, liberalization, I mean, there's... Many, many things I think would happen inside North Korea if it gave up its nuclear uh, arsenal. That would be good. Um, Liberals are still rooting against this thing. Many of them, not all of them, but many of them rooting against this. Mainstream media is definitely rooting against this to work. 
And just one more thought to add on to this uh, this pile. North Korea is a state built almost entirely on force. There's also a cult of personality aspect. I mean, there's some other ingredients in the soup, but it is it is built on force, and nuclear weapons are the apex of force. They're the ultimate in force. I think it is very hard for the North Korean leadership to think not only they would open them, be opening themselves up, as paranoid as we think it is for them to consider this, but open themselves up to invasion and being toppled by outside powers. I think that one of the biggest challenges we face, or Trump faces, Trump, Pompeo, and the whole White House team, they're going to be looking at this, is that if North Korea gives up its nukes, why does the North Korean regime exist? If it doesn't believe it has to deter outside invasion and aggression, why are they? Being, why are they? Why is Kim Jong Un in charge? What happens to Kim Jong Un and his top circle of advisors if they give up nukes and there's a a process of liberalization? If if you have an Arab Spring moment in Pyongyang. Now you start getting into the self-preservation component of this discussion for the people in charge who are not just used to being okay, but used to ruling over everyone else. And that gets very tricky. The regime that is in power does not like to give up the reins of power, not just because of the prerogatives that come with that authority, but also because of the consequences of relinquishing authority. I.e., look at Gaddafi. I'm just saying this is going to be a tricky, tight rope walk no matter what. We will keep following it. We'll stay on it. But like I said, less than 50-50. Maybe we'll talk uh, a bit more about the situation with Hamas when we come back. I'm not sure if that's what we'll hit, but it's likely. And uh, we'll certainly talk about immigration. Oh, my gosh, wait. There's this guy who got caught on a viral video. I'm like, hold up, hold up. Don't. Don't do anything. Don't go anywhere. A guy got caught in a viral video saying uh, mean things to Spanish-speaking staff at a restaurant. This is what we call a uh, a teachable moment, I guess. Or at least a cautionary tale. We'll get into that and much more. Stay with me. Now, I know your pooch is going to be very excited when you get home. Your beloved canine companion is going to be jumping around, wagging his tail, and ready to go. Uh, but when you let him or her outside... Digging can happen, and that can then cause some big problems. Because if the dog manages to get under the fence you have for your enclosure, then you might spend hours and a whole lot of anxious hours at that looking to find your beloved canine companion. So guess what? You need Dig Defense. Dig Defense is genius. It makes sure that dogs can't get under your fence to get out, and it makes sure that predators, raccoons, foxes, skunks, can't get inside and under the fence as well. So it protects your pet from both sides of the fence. Check it out for yourself. They have it for you online at Lowe's, Menards, Wayfair, and go to StopTheDig.com for more. That's StopTheDig.com for Dig Defense. (laughs) 
That's the Hamas tactic. It's called the dead baby strategy. You use children and women. You deliberately put them on the front lines. You make it impossible for Israel to defend itself without occasionally killing a woman or a child or an elderly person. And every time Israel accidentally kills somebody like that, Israelis grieve, Israel loses, Hamas cheers and celebrates because that's exactly what they want. They want the media to show the body count. They want the media to show the dead baby, even though Israel tried everything in its power to avoid civilian casualties. Ambassador Haley was absolutely correct when she said that every one of those deaths is attributable to Hamas and that every country in the Western world would have done exactly the same. The Hamas strategic intention, why they're doing this, it may not be, and actually I believe it's not about the opening of the embassy, because if that was the case, then you're going to have, we would have seen demonstrations, aggressive ones, in the West Bank. What happened? They're not there. Or Hezbollah, an ally to Hamas, massing on the Lebanese-Israeli borders, or from Jordan. The reason for why Hamas is doing this beyond what it is claiming is because Hamas is an ally to the Iranian regime. And in my projection, this is a response by Iran to the United States and has to do more with the Iran deal than with the opening of the embassy in Jerusalem. Interesting comments there from uh, the Dersh and Walid uh, Ferris. On Walid's point about how you don't see all these violent, nasty demonstrations, and and uh, I said today, you know, over 50 terrorists, which is what Hamas internal security, over 50 terrorists trying to overrun a, a section of national border, that's a militant incursion. That's not a protest. And thousands of people work in coordination with them to give them cover and to create civilian casualties is a disgrace. But it didn't happen in the West Bank. Only happened in Gaza Strip. Happened where Hamas is in full control. Uh, which is, an, you know, if the embassy move to Jerusalem were really such a terrible thing on the Arab street through the rest of the Arab world, wouldn't we have seen protests elsewhere? No, not really. I know Erdogan, no friend to, well, the civilized world, really. Uh, but Erdogan is saying that basically everybody should gang up on Israel, but Turkey's become a problem. Turkish policy, we, we give them a pass on a lot of stuff, I guess because we got a big base there and we need them for some things, but Turkey is often unhelpful in the region. It's been very unhelpful, certainly in the early stages with Syria, with regard to Syria. Um, but by and large, what you see is actually Israel in a better position vis-a-vis its neighbors, countries like Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, than it's really probably ever been. And the, the move to Jerusalem was not the cause of any of these riots and this violence. It was just an, an excuse to, uh, to escalate some of it. Uh, and by the way, he mentioned, the Dersh mentioned... Uh, Nikki, uh, Nikki Haley's comments, so I felt like I should at least uh, play them for you. Play clip six. Make no mistake, Hamas is pleased with the results from yesterday. No country in this chamber would act with more restraint than Israel has. Those who suggest that the Gaza violence has anything to do with the location of the American embassy are sorely mistaken. Rather, the violence comes from those who reject the existence of the state of Israel in any location. Yep, it's true. 
It is true. And uh, we've seen that there are many people who have big platforms, big perches. They sit atop in the mainstream media who like to do like to do quite a bit of moral equivalency between Hamas and Israel, a bit of Israel bashing. At, at what point do we get to say, hey, why can't the Palestinians who live in Gaza just like get it together a little bit, you know? Figure some stuff out. Create a decent society. You know, it makes it really hard to take some of the grievances as seriously as they want us to or, or treat them the way uh, they want us to when we look over and go, okay, so Hamasistan, Gaza, is a complete disaster in every respect. Maybe, uh, maybe they should focus inward a little bit and stop blaming Israel for all their problems. Is that... And why doesn't anyone ever get so upset about the fact that Egypt also has a border fence? Because they're like, we don't want to deal with this stuff. Are the Egyptian Arabs who don't want Hamasistan pouring over to their country, are they racist or do they just not want to deal with it? These are the questions I'd like to ask some of the the folks in the mainstream media. Uh, We're going to talk about this guy who went crazy at a restaurant. It's a viral video. If you haven't seen it, you're going to hear it here. It's, it's, woof. He gets the jerk award, my friends. We're going to talk about it. Stay with me. Oh, man. You know, you got to assume, folks, that you anytime you're in a public place, you can be videoed and the clip can go viral. And as somebody who gets, I'm going to just tell you, I get hangry. I have to be careful. I, I turn into somebody unrecognizable to myself sometimes when I get too hungry. My family's probably chuckling as they hear this right now because they know I just get super grumpy. You know, I, I make Archimedes from Sword in the Stone look patient by comparison. Who, who, what, what? And, you know, but, but there are limits, right? I mean, I get hangry, but I'm not a, a terrible person when I'm hungry. I just am I'm a little grouchy. But you got to assume that when you're out and about, you, you've got to assume that Folks might be videoing you, and you don't want to go on some rant that can go viral. Oh, boy, we got one of those to talk about right now. This guy on Madison Avenue in, in Manhattan. When I first read the description, I'll be honest with you. I thought this has to be, this is so dumb and such a such a reputational and career ender that there, this must be a plant, right? This must be a guy posing as a Trump supporter who is going on this rant. But when I watched the video and looked at it, nah, he might just be a, be a big jerk. Um, he was waiting in line for his food, and he did not like, he did not like that some of the employees at this place called Fresh Kitchen in, in New York City were speaking Spanish to each other. So he decided to give everybody a... A lesson in exactly what never to say, think, or do in public. Play the clip. Clients at your yes. staff yes. is speaking Spanish to customers when they no, should be speaking. Very violent. I mean, He's sometimes they do. Very yeah. Yeah. Very Every person I listen to. He's spoken. He's spoken. She's speaking it. It's America. They, they, yeah. You're, you're, yeah. You're, yeah. You're, yeah. You're, yeah. He's very ignorant. He's very ignorant. He's very ignorant. My guess is they're not documented. So my next call is to ICE to have each one of them kicked out of my country. If they have the balls to come here and live off of my money, 
I pay for their welfare. I pay for their ability to be here. So the least, the least they can do, the least they can do is be here. I mean, this guy is such a jerk that it's hard to believe that this isn't this isn't a, a setup. I'm just telling you. I not only is he is he running around saying he doesn't know, by the way, if I mean New York is one of the most diverse cities on the planet. Uh, he doesn't know if anyone working in this restaurant is legal or illegal. You know, so. So he, I mean, he's just way off off base and way out of line on a bunch of things, but but then to tell the the woman maybe you should lay off the sandwich, I'm like, wow, this guy is going, uh, you know, anti anti Latino, um, anti immigrant and 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 fat shaming, all in a span of just a just a, a about a what was that a minute or so of that, that clip, the guy is. Uh, Named Schlossberg, I think they say here. Andrew Schlossberg, and he is a... I'm sorry, pardon me. Aaron Schlossberg. Aaron Schlossberg. And he's, they say, a registered Republican who has his own commercial law firm and boasts about being fluent in Spanish on his online biography. I just... I mean, Brandon, when you saw this, did you... Were you, like, just shocked? <laughs> in the sense that oh, it's this very guy, uncomfortable it's very uncomfortable right but this guy he's such a jerk he's being such a a uh a db to borrow from the youth that i i feel like really this guy's doing he's going on this rant in public it it strikes me as um it's hard to believe but you know it reminds because remember and this is what got me thinking of this it was not long ago during the whole Starbucks bathroom controversy that there was a guy who to make a point about it was uh, ran into a store and demanded like coffee reparations and actually got the coffee. But he was a performance artist or, you know, he was doing that to get attention for the issue at hand. Uh, And I said that when it aired, I said, I think this guy might there's something funky going on here. It just doesn't strike me as. You know, it seems unlikely that anybody would really demand coffee reparations. The guy was doing it as an act of theater. But this guy is theatrical in his jerkness. But nah, I think I think it's the real thing because he's a lawyer. He's not, you know, an aspiring YouTube commentary guy or something. And uh, it's not it's not good. That was uh, not a, a useful, not a helpful situation so um we will have to see what ends up uh, what ends up coming to this one you really don't want to be in a position where you have a guy who is um well you 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 don't want to be the guy who goes viral uh for something like this so it's it's a helpful reminder i think to all of us that you really want to stay away from one being a huge huge and terrible jerk it's just a good rule always for all of us two don't get hangry. You don't want to get hangry. And three, th- there are video cameras now everywhere. I, you know, this then, I think about this a lot. I don't know how to get this going. I don't know how to translate this 
into uh, a book or or even a long form essay, but I believe that the the single biggest driver right now of the changes in in human behavior worldwide are are technologically based. You just you can't get away with what you used to get away with. I mean, you cannot. This guy, twenty years ago, would be saying, you know, if, if he were talking to the press, would be saying, uh, oh, you know, they misconstrued what I said, and I didn't mean it that way, and there'd be a kind of a he said, she said in the restaurant. Now it's on video, so you sit around, and you're like, hmm. So that's what he said, and I, I think it affects everything that we're doing all the time now. You know, whenever you're in, and not even, you don't have to be a public person. Obviously, someone like me, I've got to be aware. You know, occasionally in New York, a cab driver honks at me. I throw up the one finger salute because that's what we do in New York. But I'm like, oh, you know, I probably shouldn't. I've got to set an example for the kids. You know, I can't do stuff like, not my kids, other people's kids or of America, you know, the, the children of America. Uh, but yeah, I'm, uh, I got to say, that guy, he gets the, he gets the, the jerk store called, and they're running out of him. Anytime you can work in a Seinfeld reference, I feel like it's been a pretty good, pretty productive day. We might even have a, a movie reference coming later on in the show based on our inbox for uh, Roll Call that I think you'll all be very excited about. Um, but uh, coming up next, I want to talk to you about uh, immigration, actual immigration policy, um, and we'll get right into it. So stay with me. We have to enforce the laws that are on the books. People don't get to decide. Cities don't get to pick and choose which laws they want to follow. The president's been very clear on what he wants to see when it comes to an immigration package. He wants to close the loopholes. He wants to secure the border. There you have uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders with the administration point of view here on immigration. But I, I got to tell you something. Um, you know, there's st- I'm not trying to be... A complainer. I'm not trying to be a whiner. But a lot of focus right now for administration on North Korea. Not really enough on immigration. It is almost June. The midterms are going to swallow up all the political oxygen in the room, so to speak, very quickly. Immigration was central to the Trump agenda. Tax cuts are great, folks, but I... Let's be honest, we would have gotten tax cuts with a President Rubio or President Cruz or, you know, maybe even a President Kasich, heaven forbid. Uh, But we were promised a lot more than that. And saying that we need to close the loopholes is good, but I need to hear specifics on what loopholes need to be closed so that then the message can get out from me and everyone else who makes the case publicly that Congress has to take action here, that this can't just continue on as some promise into the future because time is actually running out here now now trump is speaking about this and uh, he spoke specifically about the wall and wall funding i want to i want to go to that play 18 unfortunately congress and i have to say congressional democrats you take a look at what has been going on and what's going on with the laws whether it's catch and release uh, whether it's uh, any of any of the things that we're fighting for and so hard uh, now, we have started the wall. Uh, we're spending $1.6 billion between fixing and starting. We have a lot of folks in California, they don't talk about it, but they want the wall up, and they're very happy. That's one of the reasons we started in California, but we made a lot of progress on it. And now we're going for the full funding for the wall, and we're going to try and get that as soon as possible. 
I don't think we made a lot of progress on the wall. I don't think that's fair to say. I, I President Trump is a he's a salesman. He's an optimist. I get it, right? He needs to keep the momentum going, but it, it has been paltry so far on wall on, on the wall building side of things. It really has. I, I wish it were not the case, but he's saying that we're going to get more funding when? Oh, in September. When they come back, or, or before even the August recess, right before the midterms, that's when we're going to have... Look, okay, there's a, there's a possibility here. I don't want to discount it. Maybe funding for the wall becomes a signature issue in the midterms. Maybe Trump pushes all the Republicans that are in close races over the finish line in places like Pennsylvania and you know Michigan and the states that became Trump country that, as we know, went for Obama twice recently. So they're up for grabs uh, from the other side, right, from the Democrat side, too. But maybe Trump has a plan in mind here. I can't say this is the case, but it wouldn't. It's not beyond the realm where funding for the wall turns into a major issue in the midterms, which maybe saves the fortunes of some Republicans who are otherwise close to the line with their Democrats. But, you know, it might not even be necessary for them to keep their seats. The Democrat messaging so far is is abominable. Russia, Russia, collusion, collusion, Stormy Daniels. No one cares. CNN, the media elites, they care. The rest of the country doesn't care. People voting are like, whatever. There was a payment made to Cohen. Just, you know, Trump, I know, disclosed this today. The payment made to Cohen to make a payment to Stormy Daniels. That's not going to change I, I dare I even say enough votes to swing a county election, never mind a, you know, a, a congressional district or a um, statewide Senate race. There's just no way. I, I can't imagine a world in which that would matter enough to anyone to change any votes. Uh, but there's got to be some sort of strategy here because <laughs> if the Democrats win the House, folks, we forget about wall funding. We just spend the next two years arguing over impeachment in Russia. That's that's it. That's what our government becomes, which is a shame on many levels. And it will have me. It will have meant at that point that the first Trump term. Well, I don't want to go down that path yet. May, every time I've thought that they had boxed Trump into a corner. Pretty much on every issue. I've been like, wow, he actually knew what was coming and outmaneuvered them or he withstood it. They can't take him down. So I get that, you know, people underestimate Trump and this movement at their peril. And they never learn the lesson either. Right. I mean, the same people that were telling you there's a 97 percent chance on election night of Hillary Clinton beating Trump are the same journalists who are now saying, oh, you know, it's going to be a blue wave. I I do not see a blue wave. I think it's going to be very tight, very tight uh, for control of the House. And if the Republicans play their cards right here, you I think they could gain seats. I really do believe that. I think the GOP could actually gain some seats. But by taking action and framing the debate in such a way that it's not possible for Democrats to do what they're going to do, which is make this a referendum on Trump for turnout purposes and then race by race, state by state, look at this and say, well, we're going to run candidates who are head fakes in the direction of workers, uh, 
trade that benefits the American worker, uh, you know, that, that want to do more for working families, you know, all the sort of kitchen table Democrat stuff that actually Bernie Sanders speaks to sometimes. They're going to run those kinds of people. Right? The, the, the Connor Lambs of the Democrat side are going to come out in full force to try and essentially trick the American people into thinking that's what the Democrat Party is really all about now. It's not the case. Um, and, and then just one more thing on on the uh, immigration point before we we got a very interesting third hour coming up, by the way. I'm going to be telling you about this scam uncovered by some investigative journalists out in Minnesota involving daycare centers, terrorist funding, uh, defrauding the government. It's crazy. And, and, the, and the Somali immigrant community in Minnesota. I'll tell you more about that in just a few minutes. Uh, and then I'll also share with you a story about what it's like to be trying to trying to this doesn't involve me but they went around on the street the daily caller went around the street asking people about dating and their rules for dating when it comes to the era of trump got some funny stuff on that and then also a, a story about carpet sharks that you're gonna have to hear it to believe it I, I i'm i'm still kind of in shock over it uh but that'll be all all coming up in the third hour carpet shark is our term for dachshunds as you know the uh sausage dogs in common parlance um, but Trump mentioned back to the immigration debate here for a second before we um, move to those other stories. Trump mentioned the merit-based system that he wants to have. Play that clip. Play seventeen. Part of the problem that we have is our economy is so strong that people are pouring up to get into our economy. They want a piece of our economy, and that makes the job even tougher. We want people to come into our country based on merit. We're not looking to keep them out. We're looking to bring them in. We need them. We have companies moving back into the United States like never before. Chrysler is opening up now in Michigan. We have so many companies actually coming from Mexico, even, and coming back in. So we want people coming in based on merit. That is such an important message. Trump is out there as the megaphone for it, but we need the rest of the GOP and the conservative media ecosystem to be magnifying that message too, a merit-based immigration system. It should be a rallying cry for the GOP going into the midterms because it is a much better policy for all Americans, all of us, even the Democrats. Uh, like I said, we got a big third hour come up here in just a moment, team. So stay with me. I'm sitting here right now in one of their T-shirts. It says Veteran Lives Matter on it. So I want to tell you about the company behind this, Nine Line Apparel. Nine Line is a veteran-owned and operated patriotic lifestyle brand that bridges the gap between civilians and service members, whether military, law enforcement, or first responders. The founder and CEO is from the special operations community, many of Nine Line's 150 employees, and I've been out and met many of them myself. I've been to their factory down in Savannah. It's an incredible facility. Veterans engaged in creative, entrepreneurial business venture. It's incredible to see with your, your own eyes. I'm telling you, you should check it out yourself. Go to NineLineApparel.com and use the coupon code BUCK20. That'll get you 20% off. That's NineLineApparel.com, coupon code buck twenty. For 20% off, and I'm telling you, you're going to get fantastic gear, NineLineApparel.com. Welcome to Hour 3 of the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. I think a lot of nights, third hour is the best hour. It's where we get a little bit more loose in terms of uh, our feel, our vibe, and, and also it's where I get to pick stories 
that I just think are really interesting or really fun, really noteworthy, inspiring, whatever it may be. It's not the top, uh, not the top of the news cycle stuff, right? This isn't the above the fold. Oh, look, the big headline on the newspaper. No, it's not that. This is the, I saw this thing. I saw this thing. I thought it was interesting. So, you know, I thought I'd tell you about it. You know what I mean? I thought maybe a little bit of this, a little bit of that, then uh, we'd have a conversation. And that's what Hour 3 turns into for me. And this is one of those stories where I think it's really interesting. You know, I feel like a, a Hollywood wannabe scriptwriter is like, it's got a multi-million dollar scam. It's got abusing the uh, large largesse of the state. It's got funding terrorism. It's got everything, right? It's a movie. Uh, in this case, though, it's just a news story. Courtesy of a Fox 9 out in Minneapolis, uh, which I'm sure is a, a great station. Uh, but they've been doing some investigative work into this. And I'm just wondering, why hasn't this caught on more? Why am I not seeing more attention on this story? When I tell you the details, I think you'll be like, Buck, I agree. That strikes me as a bit odd. Here's what's going on. So they've been looking into this, and it's a fraud that they estimate could be costing Minnesota taxpayers as much as $100 million a year. It's a lot of money. Oh, yeah, don't you know? That's a lot of money in Minnesota. It's a lot of money anywhere. I know my Minnesota accent. For, for Team Buck Minnesota, I'm sorry, but my, my Minnesota accent needs work. Oh, yeah, don't you know? Uh, but they've been looking into this, and $100 million they estimate could be involved. And here's what, here's what the scam is. You got these suitcases filled with cash. Oh, and by the way, I have some backstory from New York from my time at the NYPD where I can give a little additional context to how these kinds of scams work because I know of a similar scam from years ago. But here's how this scam works out in Minnesota. There are these suitcases that end up at the airport packed with cash, in some cases as much as a million dollars in cash. Now, Yes, you can do that if you declare it. But if you declare it, then people might ask you some questions and they might start wondering. And people tend to not want to declare this stuff. Uh, the money heads to the Mideast. Oh, that's because the Somali immigrant community, which is uh, particularly strong in, it's actually very strong in Washington, D.C., in the swamp where I am too. A lot of Somali and Ethiopian immigrants in D.C., but a very large Somali immigrant population in Minnesota. And what you end up seeing here is these hawalas, which are kind of the money transfer system in Islamic countries that don't have Western Union. Think that's what a hawala is. Uh, these hawalas are getting these shipments of cash, and these immigrant communities are sending the cash via Hawala, the Somali community in Minnesota, sending this cash to the Middle East, and it, from there, gets transferred to Somalia, right? Um, now, before we get into what that means, because that in and of itself can be a problem, what is the scam, you might be asking? Oh, well, it is daycare fraud. Daycare fraud works like this, very straightforward. You have a family that arrives with kids, right, and the, at a daycare center, and the daycare center marks them as being in daycare, but in fact the kids don't stay in the daycare at all. 
Maybe they even are, are saying there are many more kids in the family than there actually are. It's very similar like Medicare fraud for procedures that aren't actually done. Right? This is what doctors that get caught in Medicare fraud. They'll say, yeah, I did a, a, some kind of a surgery. There was no surgery. You do enough of that, by the way. $5,000 surgery here, $10,000 surgery there. You made a lot of money for procedures you're not doing, time you're not spending doing um, medical work, and you're defrauding the state. And the way that daycare fraud works kind of similar. You say kids are in daycare, they're not. So you have the Somali immigrant community, and I, this is just a subset within the community. I'm not saying the whole community is in any way responsible, but this is going on inside that community. They show up, and they the daycare center marks all these kids as being in daycare, gets money from the state. This is a this is a, a program uh, that's a, it's a welfare program, really, or a yeah. I mean, it's it's free daycare for your kids. I don't know, whatever you'd call it. It's a, a state um, a state funded program, and they leave with these kids. In many cases, there are no kids there at all, and the daycare center gives a kickback to the people involved. So they're just defrauding the government. It's just a scam. And there's a federal case that this investigation from the Fox affiliate in Minnesota points out. Uh, where there was at least one business suspected of billing the government for more than a million dollars worth of fake child care services. And this, uh, and, and this money, when they started to trace it back, goes back all the way to Somalia. Well, guess what that means, folks? Somalia, at least in part, is still controlled by al-Shabaab, a terrorist group. Any money that you're sending back to Mogadishu or other parts of Somalia... Uh, using the Hawala system, this money transfer system that is used in the Islamic world, may in fact, and it, others would say is likely to, maybe is certain to, uh, find itself into the hands of terrorists. Because Shabab is a terrorist group, and they operate like a mafia, like a mob organization. They're taking protection money from businesses in Somalia. They you know, kidnap and ransom operations, things like that. That Shabab obviously involved in, uh, well, piracy has gone way down, but there was a whole piracy effort. You guys remember the movie Captain Phillips? Well, when you're sending money back, you are likely also involved in funding al-Shabaab, which means you're funding terrorism. So here you have all brought together uh, Somali uh, immigrants in Minnesota defrauding the state and sending money back to Somalia, yes, in part for their families, but also Shabab, a, a vicious terrorist organization, taking a cut. I wonder how many folks in Minnesota really know uh, that this is where their money's going, and up to $100 million a year in this. Up to $100 million. Think about it. It's very hard to know if somebody's really leaving their kids in daycare or not. What are you going to do? You hire private investigators to follow these people around? It's not that easy. Um. One, uh, I'm trying to think, the one case that they profile here, woman got sent away for a pretty good stretch in federal prison. I forget, I think it was eight years maybe, but so, so people are going to get nailed on this, but it reminds me. So, so that's, I just think it's fascinating. This is going on, by the way, welfare fraud is much more prevalent than anyone thinks or will tell you about the welfare fraud of all kinds, right? Defrauding the state. They estimate, I think $80 billion a year. Are are lost to uh, in Medicare and Medicaid fraud eighty billion 
folks. Now, you might say to me, Buck, but I, I'm going to look at the statistic here. I'm going to look at the statistic there, and we're not going to. No, 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 no. You can't rely on statistics when it comes to welfare fraud because it is very rarely prosecuted. It's resource intensive to prosecute, and there's no political win for the prosecutor's office in most cases, right? Is, is somebody really going to feel good about themselves or feel good about a newspaper report that when their district attorney, they had somebody who was already on welfare who, let's say, was you know, getting checks for phantom kids, right? Because you get more money based on the number of kids you have. Uh, the answer is no, you're probably not going to, that's not going to feel like a political win. Is it wrong? Is it stealing? Sure. So because welfare fraud is politically inconvenient to prosecute and resource intensive, unless you're talking about some guy engaged in a massive Medicare fraud. Oh, like, by the way, Senator Menendez's buddy, Dr. Melgan, I believe was his name, I think, an 80, I think he was convicted in an $80 million Medicare fraud. He was the uh, eye surgeon. Uh, they'll go after those guys, right? If, if you're engaged in fraud against the government, you roll around in a private jet, they're going to nail you. But if you're somebody who's already on welfare and, and abusing the system, guess what? They don't go after you. You think that also applies to illegal immigrants, by the way? Oh, yeah. Trust me. Trust me, it does. Uh, and then the, the case that I was going to tell you about was... There were there were uh, Yemenis, not Somalis, but Yemenis in New York City. And this is from when I was at the NYPD, and I learned about this. It's fascinating. They would run these um, halal meat carts, right? Halal means, like, allowed to be eaten in uh, Islamic tradition, and haram is forbidden, right? So they had these halal meat carts, and, you know, serving, like, chicken and shish kebab, things like that. And sometimes these guys would get on planes, and they'd go back, back home, head back home to Yemen with $15,000 in cash, $20,000 in cash on them. And they didn't declare any of it. They were, it was an all-cash business. These halal carts are all cash. So guess what? You say, oh, Buck, eventually the tax man's going to catch up with these Yemeni guys running these cash carts, right? Nope. They cycle in and out of the country roughly every six months. IRS can't keep up with that. IRS and the New York State Taxing Authority, taxing authority can't, I'm not kidding, can't even keep track of the spelling of these guys' names. So they can't actually process the paperwork properly to know what they're doing. This scam, I don't know if they finally were able to crack down on it, but years ago, this scam was rampant. I mean, so think about this. They're taking untaxed dollars illegally out of the United States back to Yemen. Now, people would say, oh, Buck, they're probably feeding their families. Yeah, they are, but some of them are also, you know, we're also feeding our families, right, you and me, and we have to pay taxes. And some of these Yemenis taking cash overseas, let me tell you, they weren't just feeding their families with this with these untaxed Benjamins, so to speak. Uh, they might have been making their way into the hands of some very unsavory characters. But just think about this. How, how are you going to deal with that scam? Every time you think you're going to catch up on one of these carts, the cart stays. Oh, I'm, I'm renting it from, you know, or, oh, you know, I, I, my buddy sold it to me. I'm the new cart operator now. H- how do you stay on time? You don't, right? And I, mean, cause I remember I was working at the NYPD at the time, and I'm like, $15,000 in cash? I got to get into the halal meat cart business. Like I said, team, third hour is often the best hour, and I've got a lot more coming up, including a crazy story about some carpet sharks. Stay with me for that. I may be stuck in the swamp right now, my friends, but I can still support companies that are all about freedom, America, and our veterans. And you know what's at the top of that list? Black Rifle Coffee Company. 
Black Rifle Coffee is different. It's not run by a bunch of Marxist Che Guevara t-shirt wearing commies. This is a company for, by, and all about veterans who love America and want you drinking the best coffee you can get. I mean, this is small batch roast-to-order coffee. This is delicious stuff. It's top quality, but on top of loving your cup of joe in the morning, you're also going to be supporting veterans and supporting a vision of freedom. Go check it out for yourself. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. Use the coupon code Buck15. That's Buck15 for 15% off. Again, BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. Coupon code Buck, B-U-C-K, 1-5. You know, team, I, I say sometimes it's not easy being a conservative in a very blue part of the country. And I've gone from New York to D.C., the swamp. And, you know... It socially can be a bit of a hindrance, even in Washington, D.C., in the era of Trump. You'd think that the White House is in the hands of a Republican. You'd think that there would be a sense that maybe it's okay to be a Republican socially, I'm talking about now. You know, if you're out there on the date scene and you're, I sound really cool, out there on the date scene. I sound like somebody that hasn't done that in quite a while, don't I? Um, But if you're out there doing what the kids do, you know, trying to be out there on a date, and and you come across some folks who are, let's just say, anti-Trump. Can you overcome that? Well, we have the Daily Caller to thank for putting this to the test. Daily Caller had a really fun video. Hat tip Amber Athey over there, uh, who is one of the, the, the two hosts of this fun little bit. But they went around Washington, D.C. and asked a very important question. Would you rather date... A convicted felon or a Trump supporter? Hit it. Never date a Trump supporter, and I may date a convicted felon. Convicted wow. felon. Convicted felon. Trump supporter. <laughs> Would you rather date a Trump supporter or a convicted felon? Trump supporter. Okay. Any reason for that? Um, not as scary as a convicted felon? I, I don't know. Trump supporter. Trump supporter. Trump supporter. I'd rather be single, man. I can't do either. I can't. I, can't, <laughs> I like man. that nah, guy. I'd rather be single at that point. You single. would never date a Trump supporter. Like, <gasps> ever. Uh, She's I a women's and gender study major. But uh, it didn't last long. <laughs> I just, I can't, I couldn't deal with a Trump supporter. <laughs> Most people in jail are on, yeah, Trump charges. No pun intended. <laughs> um, Better than a convicted felon, I think. That's, yeah. <laughs> All right. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm a convicted felon, you know? Yeah, that's true. What a, I don't know. Trump's pretty unpredictable. That's why I like him. There you go. So the, I will say there was a little bit of a mix. And a bunch of people that were like, no, I would, I would rather date a convicted felon than Trump supporter. To be fair, under the circumstances, you know, I'm all about being fair. Most of the time. Sometimes. Are we talking about a violent felony or like, you know... A little cheating on your taxes, right? Because you know, there's different. Felony is a very a felon is a very broad spectrum of activity. So I think to really get it, be a violent felon or a Trump supporter. And here's what I would wager: a lot of people, and they were asking young people, you know, in in D.C., people in their 20s and 30s. Uh, a lot of people would, I think, still go violent felon over Trump supporter. I really think so. And, and it's just a shame, you know. There are people that uh you know, on these dating apps now, they've had these rules about no guns allowed. And and they're influencing the dating culture, which I know this may sound a little crazy, but 
that affects the way people think and and yeah, the way they vote too. Uh, but it's it's tough down here in the swamp, man. You know, I walk around, I'm like, I wonder how many of these people. It's been a while since I've been willing to go on CNN or MSNBC, so I feel like very few. Which, by the way, the the, the my gym locker room plays MSNBC. The only thing that's ever on TV, MSNBC. Like, I, I really want Chris Hayes staring at me when I'm you know trying to get changed in there. It's crazy. Can we put on at least ESPN? Who comes up with this stuff? You, you, I have a theory. You can tell the politics of an area by what is on a majority of the television screens at your local gym. You know, in, in places that love America and freedom, you have a combination of ESPN, Fox News, maybe some reruns of Friends or something. But in liberal leftist strongholds, it's just all CNN and MSNBC all the time. And it doesn't get me fired up about working out at all. I can tell you that much. Really doesn't. Uh, I got to say also the one thing you got to work. I, I probably shouldn't tell you guys this, but I feel like we're all friends. So I'll tell you these things. Sometimes I wear headphones and try to listen to music when I'm working out. You know, the fight against the dad bod continues. The struggle is real against dad bod. And, and occasionally I don't really think about it this way, but. You know, when you got stuff in your ears, you don't realize, like, maybe if you're exhaling and you're making kind of a noise because you can't really hear, you know? So my uh, my earphones went dead mid-workout recently. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I think it, I'm not like a cool guy in the gym, but I, I'm low profile, right? Low profile. I do my thing. I, I get in there. I get out, you know? And I realized that. On some of the exercises, I feel like I was exhaling a little like, like, <laughs> like make like occasionally a little because I couldn't tell because I had the earphones on. I'm you're laughing. You guys are all laughing at me right now, but I'm telling you, it can happen. You know, you're you're trying to exhale, trying to breathe properly. You know, <laughs> you're gonna make. I know this. I sound like Gollum over here, Smeagol. But I'm telling you, just a little noise. Think of like a little bit of an exhalation noise when you're working out. I just hope nobody heard me because that would be embarrassing. But I've embarrassed myself now here. And <laughs> that's about <laughs> you know, a little noise, little just like that, little noise. Don't do that, team. I know you don't need to be told that, but I'm reminding myself. We'll be right back. Team, some of you will recall the uh, story I told you not long ago about my close encounter with a carpet shark. That's right, I was at a baby shower, and there was an ancient-looking dachshund, better known to those of us in the watch-out-for-the-mean-dog community as a carpet shark. And as Miss Molly described him at the time, he was ancient-looking and was dragging, I'm just quoting what was said about him by others, was dragging his old peep on the carpet as he walked around. So he was indeed a a carpet shark, and uh, he didn't have much more time left in him. I made the mistake of trying to befriend said carpet shark, and then in front of about 20 terrified onlookers, had to keep this thing from biting off my face because I very stupidly, and I admit to it, thought I could just lift him off the ground and be his buddy. That was a mistake. But carpet sharks, it turns out, can actually be dangerous. 
Uh, I had never seen or heard of this before. This was a story in the New York Post that a pack, the headline is Pack of Wiener Dogs Mauls Woman to Death. This is terrible. Uh, This was out in Oklahoma. This story just went up today. Out in Oklahoma, um, a woman, I believe she was in her, uh, she was 52 years old, and she was attacked by a pack of carpet sharks, uh, also known as wiener dogs or dachshunds. Also, though, a border collie in the mix. You know, I, the movie Lassie, or the show, well, it's a movie and a TV show, I think, but Lassie is really false advertising. I know border collies can be nice, but they're also notorious for being, being biters. And I, I think that people need to rethink this whole... La- it's true of Dalmatians as well. Dalmatians have reputations for being biters. Anyway, back to this story out in Oklahoma. A pack of these carpet sharks, uh, and they were all under 40 pounds, folks. These are not big dogs. So a, a pack of flea and tick-ridden dachshunds attacked this woman. And killed her. She died of wounds. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm usually making jokes about carpet sharks. Turns out carpet sharks are actually kind of dangerous. Well, a bunch of little biters. Anyway, I feel bad, terrible for the woman's family. And this is, by the way, this is a completely real story I'm telling you here. Totally real story. And uh, they had to go and and euthanize some of the dogs. So... Uh, there were seven of them in total, six, six dachshunds. There were mixes, so they might have been a little bigger than your typical dachshund. They weren't like toy dachshunds and a, and a, and a collie. But co- I think the collie was the ringleader, and I really mean that. I, I've met a lot of mean – I know collie owners out there, you can send me your hate. I've met a lot of mean collies in my day. And I just bring to your attention here of the millions of reported dog bites each year, the, uh, the breeds that come up the most are – Get ready. Wait for it. Chihuahuas. That's right. The little guys. They, uh, I think they get scared because people come up to them and try to grab them. But uh, chihuahuas are, are notorious biters. No surprise there. But if you're talking about fatal dog attacks, well, and now I'm going to upset some other dog owners here. Uh, overwhelmingly, the uh, most common dog to cause a fate. And you know, you know I love dogs, so I'm not... It is not possibly less anti-dog than me, but if you're just wondering if you're going to be picking a breed for your family or maybe more importantly for for many of you who don't have dogs or or already have one, if you see a dog in your neighborhood that you don't know, some are more dangerous than others by the statistics, all right? And over, uh, well, almost 40% of all fatalities involving dog attacks are from pit bulls, almost 40% of them. Um, and there have only been a couple of hundred people. Look, dog attacks are rare. They're a little less rare than shark attacks, but it's really not something you should be particularly worried about. Dog bites happen all the time. I got bit by a toothless cocker spaniel in the face once. That was not fun, but didn't really have any teeth because it was so old. Uh, pit bulls, Rottweilers, German Shepherds, and uh, Boxers actually are on this list as well. So no surprises. It's pit bull, Rottweiler, German Shepherd are the most... Uh, well, most commonly involved in any fatal incident with a dog. That all said, I can't wait to actually go and either adopt or go to a breeder and actually get a dog. I've got a little more room down here in the swamp. So I just, I, I had to share with you, though, this story. I, I couldn't believe it when I first read it, that a woman was actually attacked by a pack of carpet sharks and killed. 
I think it's the first time in history that this has happened. But, you know, it's the moment you get a pack of any dog together, uh, you, you could have a problem on your hands. So I, I want to move on to happier things. Uh, one day I'll tell the full story of the, which is a funny story because nobody was injured, the full story of the actual carpet shark that I dealt with. I've met a lot of nice dachshunds too. I'm not trying to beat up on dachshunds, although they're a little funny looking. I always feel like if you're going to get a dachshund, why not just get a corgi? You know, the, the Welsh corgi, they're such cute little guys. They're like dachshunds, but fatter and happier. Uh, this is where I have to just bail out of the segment and tell you that we got roll call. Come up here in just a second. It's going to be a fantastic roll call. It's going to be the kind of roll call that you will remember for a long time to come. Uh, and, and remember, if you want to uh, send me an email too, officialteambuck at gmail.com. And all of you listening, get ready for a whole revamped bucksexton.com. The website's going to be making a, uh, a not just a, an appearance because it's already up, but a whole it's going to be a whole new web world in uh, in Bucktown. So uh, that's something else to look for. I got that going for me, which is nice. Something else to look forward to. We've got uh, roll call here in just a minute. Stay with me. Ain't no party like a team buck party, cause a team buck party don't stop. Yeah, we got Buck turned up to 11. It's time for Roll Call. All right, I'm not going to get distracted today. I'm going to get right to it with our Roll Call. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton if you want to be a part of the action. Get to hear your thoughts on the show or official Team Buck at gmail.com. Jen, up first. Amazing show. I've been listening to the older shows while I wait for the weekday episode. I'm so glad you've decided to do this. I'm the same age and had been worried that after Rush, who would we have? It makes me really happy that we have your voice to speak for us now and going forward. You are great American. Shields high. Also, I was thinking about the article you discussed in relation to med school and the crashing of academic standards. And all I could think of was Dr. Nick from The Simpsons. Scary. Well, thank you so much, Jen. Hi, I'm Dr. Nick. That's pretty close, right? Hello, Dr. Nick. I, I feel like I'm getting close to Dr. Nick there from The Simpsons. Uh, I have to listen to it a little bit more. Next up is Monica, who writes, Hey, Buck, air fryers are called convection ovens. Google it. They are great to use. Okay. Thank you, Monica. Um, I will have to look into that. I'll see if Miss Molly is up for checking it out. Next up here, we have Timothy, who writes, Buck, Starbucks has very few franchise locations. All regular stores are company-owned and operated. Only specialized locations, like those inside a store, are owned by the operator. Huh, I didn't know that. Compared to McDonald's, which has far fewer company stores and way more franchisee-operated locations. Just saying, because facts matter on our side of the political spectrum. Well, first off, Tim, thank you. And, and I, always, I always want the facts. I, I like learning, and I do learn so much. I feel like a lot of people that have radio shows or podcasts or whatever, they're always like, oh, my audience is... No, my audience is crazy smart. Like, I ask questions about complicated ankle surgeries, and I have people that I can tell are MDs writing in, because 
they also tell me they're MDs to be like, well, you might want to consider this or that or talk to this person. And this audience is off the charts knowledgeable, whether I'm talking about uh, firearms, long haul trucking, yoga and meditation or, you know, international travel. I mean, this audience has got it all on lock. Um, And uh, I didn't know that about the franchisees versus company owned stores. I just know what I meant to say or what I was getting at is. Yeah, I was trying to get at the biggest number. Um, Subway has 24,000 locations. McDonald's has 14,000 locations. Starbucks has 10,000 locations. I mean, those are rough numbers. I'm not getting into each individual one there. So it's Subway, McDonald's, Starbucks, Pizza Hut, Burger King, Dunkin' Donuts. So Pizza Hut, Burger King, Dunkin' Donuts all have about 7,000. And then Wendy's and Dairy Queen. Wow. Interesting. Subway has by far the most. I, I got to say, I, I'm a little surprised by that. But I don't eat at Subway because bread. All right. Next on our roll call here, we have Sharon, who writes, This is a lightweight book that you shouldn't add to your list, but I found the name of a character who is a master tracker named Buck Lothar. <laughs> Buck Lothar, Keymaster of Gozer. What did you say your name was? Vince Clortho, Keymaster of Gozer. According to this, his name's Lewis Tully. Lives on Central Park West. Vince. Oh, Clortho. I thought it was Glozar. Close enough. Vince, you said before you were waiting for a sign. What sign are you waiting for? Gozer the Traveler. He will come in one of the pre-chosen forms. During the rectification of the Valdrani, the Traveler came as a large and moving torb. Then... During the third reconciliation of the last of the McKetrick supplicants, they chose a new forum for him, that of a giant slore. Many shubs and zools knew what it was to be roasted in the depths of the slore that day, I can tell you. That of a giant slore. <laughs> I'm Bobby. That's on you to know what that movie is, folks. Team, if you don't know, you got homework on that one. I'm not, I'm not telling you. I know you guys in the booth, you all know, but we're going to leave it Leave it to the, the rest of the team. Make sure they all catch that one. Maybe the movie that I have seen more times than any other movie in existence. In fact, my cousins had a laser disc of it. And when we used to go over for holidays at their house, because they lived outside of the city, they actually had a house with a yard. Uh, but we'd go there and they'd play on laser disc, which meant that you couldn't fast forward or rewind, by the way. You had to watch the whole thing through. Uh, but we saw a lot of Ghostbusters. Uh, Ah, dang it, Buck. Get it together. You weren't supposed to give that one away. All right, next here on the list, we have Evan who writes, Hey, Buck. Um, Oh, here we go. Podcast listener here. Love the show. I heard the road call on April 24th show, The Ranch. In my opinion, The Ranch is not a right-wing show. It is the left's attempt at making fun of the right. Ashton Kutcher's mom is clearly hard left and uses that as a means of poking fun at the right. She belittles the opinions of her supposed conservative sons and ex-husbands. It's really hard to watch. Uh, yeah, look, I I haven't seen that one yet, but uh, I got to take your word for it on that one. Thank you for uh, writing in. Uh, next up, Kathleen writes, looks like commie bear captured one of ours in Arizona. And she's got a photo of a commie bear lookalike. That's very cool, Kathleen. And then she writes, time for Ambassador Dennis Rodman. Well, Kathleen, I think it's a little early in the game to call in 
the big diplomatic gun, so to speak, with Dennis Rodman going to North Korea. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, David writes, greetings from Team Buck Holland. Ooh, we've got a Holland chapter. Uh, regarding Starbucks opening their bathrooms like the Port Authority bus terminal, want to keep Starbucks bathrooms clean, but still, uh, but still let anyone in. Charge people 50 cents to use the bathroom like in Europe. Personally, it is my pet peeve to pay to use a restroom, but give the social justice people what they deserve. You know, I'll be honest with you. If, if people want to charge a dollar to use a restroom, I'm okay with that. If it means that that restroom is clean, think about this. I mean, if you have, in a high-traffic area of a city, hundreds of people going into a restroom who aren't actually customers on any given day, and you're going to use some of that funds, obviously, for the ownership, uh, you know, the, the, the patron of the establishment, just because it's their right, because it's their property. Uh, but also, that means that you're going to expect the really clean restroom. I would be okay with that. Uh, I really would. Uh, so that's another idea to just put out there in the mix. Um, Matt writes, Buck, this is actually meant for your producer, uh, Mike. What is the bumper music? On the May 11th show, uh, on another note, would you ever need a guest host? Brian Suits would be very qualified, just saying Shields High. Well, Matt, Suits uh, has filled in for the show, um, so and, and we really appreciate when Brian does. I know he's out in Los Angeles. Uh, so we have a few people. Suits is certainly one of our fill-ins. As you know, Michael Pelka, the godfather, he fills in, and we, we have some others. Uh, so he is on the list, and we'll continue to reach out to him. Uh, Roberto writes in, I see what you did there with the Game of Thrones reference, Shields High. Also, Buck, your Alex Jones impression is great. Thanks for almost making me spit my food out. Um, well, I don't know which Game of Thrones reference I made there, but I, I tend to make a fair, a fair amount of them. So thank you very much for that, my friend. Uh, we have here, um, hold on a second, let me get into the latest. Um, Buck, this is a bit hard to write. Uh, this is from Chris. You talked about the terrible comment some White House aide made about McCain. While I agree it's a bit tacky, the senator makes it very hard to defend him. Hmm. He did everything he could to... Okay, this is very long. Do I have to worship at the altar of McCain's POW status? Too many polls hang on because they fear the consequences of their actions or don't know how to move on. They shouldn't force me to have to wait for them to pass on in order to get on with the business of this country. Oh, Chris, um, you're certainly entitled to your opinions about any politician. And uh, I will just leave. I don't really have a lot of time here, so I'm going to leave it at that for right now, if that's all right with you. And um, got to close up shop in the Freedom Hut team. That's going to be it for today. Thank you uh, so much for joining by the way, our podcast numbers are going up every month. People can listen to the whole show, and they can listen to it on demand. So make sure they know anyone you talk to about it or anyone that uh, is looking for a new podcast to listen to. They don't have to be able to pick us up on their local affiliate as much as we love all of our local affiliates. They can listen digitally. They can go on the iHeart app, or they can listen to the podcast on iTunes of The Buck Sexton Show. That's going to be it for the hut for tonight. My friends, excited to be back with you tomorrow. Until then, we all have our orders. Shield time.